Hi all, welcome to Anime Echoes. We'll be going through the last instalment for Volume 4. It'll be an exploration of Luck Gandalf, Eve Genoard, and Gustavo. There's a common theme of anger that binds these characters and that'll be explored. Without further ado, let's get into it. Let's begin with Luck Gandalf, my personal favourite of the Gandalf brothers. As mentioned in an earlier podcast episode, Luck gets his throat slit in a bookstore, but he comes back alive because he's immortal. He jams a book into the assailant's throat, taking him down in front of the shopkeeper. He compensates the shopkeeper in order to keep him quiet about their mortality. Either way, by compensating the shopkeeper, we get to see that Luck seems to be like the cunning one out of the brothers. Interestingly enough, Luck doesn't care about getting his throat slashed. Since he's an immortal now, it feels more like a minor inconvenience. He doesn't feel much rage within his body at the fact that he just got attacked. But this concerns him. Before Luck would get angry and make sure to take action, to get back at the assailant and everyone that's connected to him. But being immortal, not having to be afraid of death, has made Luck lose his drive and ferocity. He also condemns himself for getting his throat slashed so easily. He's gotten weak. He's gotten too comfortable. He feels indifferent. The last thing he wants to feel is apathy. He wants to make sure that there's a fire burning within him. Despite Luck's lack of vivacity, there is still something that does push him over the edge. It's when his friends or those he cares about gets hurt. When Nicola, a member of the family, gets hurt, he's mad. He has anger cursing throughout him. Though even during this, he wants to make sure that he doesn't end up apathetic to everything, so he's glad that he can feel fury for a hurt friend. He's glad he still has that drive within him. Moving forward a bit, he makes sure he's the frontrunner of the Gandors when they eventually go to attack Gustavo, stating he can't wait to avenge all the places that were hit, and he lists them stating it's like the speakeasy and then Nicola as well. But throughout all of this, you get the impression that while Luck does feel anger, he's also nervous that the degree of anger he's feeling is not enough. I think there's something about fury and anger that for Luck is proof that he is worthy of existing, that his life is worth having. He seems to want to have anger stored within him as proof that his existence has a sense of meaning to him. Stored anger or fury is Luck feeling placed within the world. It showcases that his existence has to have a certain amount of weight, and that he's awake, that life isn't just passing him by. For luck, stored anger is life force, and proof of his attentiveness. There's a scene where Eve is about to get her legs broken by Gustavo, but luck enters the scene. He begins bashing him over and over with a chair. As he does this, he screams, This is for the speakeasy, that's for Nicola, and that's for blowing off my head. Once again, he lists everyone he's fighting for, or all the bad things that happen. By listing these people, he's verbally showcasing the anger that he feels for the losses. But you kind of have to wonder, if he's trying to actually convince himself of the anger? Does someone who really and truly feels mad need to list the names out loud? Or if someone is mad, do you just act? We'll be revisiting luck again, but please keep in mind that ultimately, luck is someone who wants to feel things deeply, and make sure that his anger exists. Let's move on to Gustavo. Gustavo is the villain of this novel. He's mostly a brute, and he isn't too bright either. He's immediately ticked off at the fact that one of their trucks was stolen from by a junkie. He considers this a major blunder, an affront to himself. It's pretty clear that it's a major blunder on his end, but he does make it seem like it's something his entire group should feel shameful. He states, This age is ours. We won't let a thieving punk and a puny playtime mafia exist in our world. 
He wants to make sure he can rally his troops into taking out the thief and the Gandors by making it seem like it's like a like a blight against the Runarada family name. That it's all of their duty to clean up this mess. Though Bartolo, his boss, it's pretty clear that Bartolo thinks he's just an idiot. With Bartolo as a boss, we know that he's part of the Runarada family, and it's the same family that had dealings with the Genoide family, specifically Eve's father and her brother. It's revealed pretty early on to the reader that Gustavo is the one who killed them. It's not just Bartolo, his boss, who looks down on him. The other five syndicates also look down on him quite heavily. They make sure to threaten Gustavo and tell him not to sell drugs on their turf. They know he's not a threat at all and just a chump. They know that if Gustavo screws up, Bartolo will just remove him from his position. Also, Beg constantly teases him and shows him who's in charge. Not only that, Many things aren't going right for him. He's crapping himself because he hears that the Gandors have hired Vino, a deadly assassin, so he knows he's in deep trouble. The name of Vino is too infamous, and his violence is too renowned for Gustavo to not be scared. It's not just that. He screws himself over as well. One of his men tells him that he's failed to pursue Roy properly because they got halted by some people in black suits, and he gets mad at that. So mad that he ends up not hearing that his men are positioned in front of the house. I think this is the first glimpse we can properly start to see the theme of anger actually being like a vice for a character within this novel. See, if Gustavo had stopped being angry, then he could have listened to his men and gotten more information. For Gustavo, specifically, it distracts him. He's overly identified with it, and he thinks that if he pushes more and more, and if he gets more and more angry, that things will work out for him. But contrary to this belief, as we'll see going forward, And contrary to luck, where anger is seen more as like fuel and energy, for him, his anger is only useful once he has a certain mental clarity to direct it towards, so in order to direct it towards something that's actually productive. Once Gustavo puts all of the information together, that from his perspective, the Genoards, the Thief, the Daily Days, and the Gandors are all in cahoots, he starts to gain some level of clarity. That being said, his perception of this is incorrect. They weren't all working together. It just so happened that their goals ended up aligning due to the way the information goes from one place to another. This is what I would consider to be like hyper-abstracting information. So taking information in and then creating a narrative around it, regardless of if it's true or not. Trying to make meaning out of some sort of chaos. Despite this, he can see who his enemy is clearly now. He knows what he has to do. He gets a team of skilled people and then goes to attack the Daily Days. At the Daily Days, as mentioned before, he fights Luck and blasts his head off. Also, one of the hitmen he hires turns out to be on the Gandor's side, so things aren't looking good for Gustavo immediately. Also, he tries to break Eve's foot, and he ends up getting his head bashed in by a chair. He gets back up, and he brutally hurts Luck. During this scene, Gustavo here shows real rage. He has a real fury burning within him, and a real viciousness. He says he'll twist them, and put them in the ocean, and kill them over and over. What's interesting is that this act of putting someone in the ocean and making them go through death over and over again is exactly what the Gandors did to Dallas. They put him deep underwater, and even now, he's suffocating endlessly. I do wonder if the author made this parallel to showcase how Luck may have some similarities to Gustavo. Though in Luck's case, he's not even sure how angry he is. Most likely, after gaining immortality, Luck had Gustavo's level of rage back then, compared to the luck we know now. 
Perhaps Gustavo is a reflection of the anger and fury Luck wants to have, or he thinks he wants to have. It's an ideal he's maybe searching for, the level of energy he wants to inhabit. But we all know Gustavo's just an idiot, and that he's over-identified with rage. Now we know Luck's cunning, so we know he would never be as dumb as Gustavo, but the energy and the fire Gustavo had, how needlessly destructive it is, is perhaps a level of destruction that Luck yearns to have but should never try to reach. Maybe Gustavo is an example of what anger without any real depth behind it looks like. It's just hot fire, but it doesn't hold any shape. There's no, like, gravitas to it. Perhaps Gustavo gaining clarity is like him getting a flame that finally has some sort of shape. But unfortunately for him, he can't hold on to the shape for that long. Things go wrong for him very quickly. For the most part, he's unbridled fury, a flame that has no shape or depth. It burns outward without any focus, and that's it. Now let's move on to Eve, and we'll be tying everything back to luck after that. So Eve's grandfather passes away, and she felt uneased because of that, and also because Dallas, her brother, was missing. She knew Dallas wasn't the sharpest tool in the shed. She understood that, and she knew that he fell for the glamour that money brings. But her last memory of him is giving her a genuine smile, and now it's a smile that she hasn't seen for years. During this rumination about her relationship with money and her brother, she notices Isaac and Miria have broken into a house. Turns out, they're trying to steal from the Genoide residence. Isaac and Miria believe that by taking away money from the residence, that they will bring some sort of like peace to the household. In a way, this was true. A lot of Eve's family were fighting over money, and just like her brother Dallas, they too fell for the glamour of money. So in a way, Isaac and Miria are kind of correct. Because of that, Eve took their arrival to be acts of God, that they were God's messengers. When Eve prays and then opens her eyes, they have already vanished, which confirms to her that they must have disappeared in like some sort of like ethereal way, like going back to heaven or something. Eve is quite prone to flights of fancy, and ultimately, we can see that she's just a child, a child that's being torn apart by a wealth in many ways. Moving on from this scene, we introduce to Samantha, who has taken care of Eve since she was just little, and Benjamin, her butler. The trio go to the Daily Days to find the location of her brother, Dallas Genoad. Off the bat, Eve is introduced to the harsh reality of the world. Her flights of fantasy can't exactly shield her from the truth. Very early on, from the information brokerage, she hears that Dallas is underwater and presumably dead, and she hears that the Gandals did it. She's stunned by this revelation. She gets up and leaves, and we see an image of her looking quite disheartened, deciding to go to bed. This is the first taste of suffering that the real world provides. But all Eve knows are kind of like the fantasies she makes up. She thinks she got this bad news because she used up all her miracles with Isaac and Miria helping her out by stealing from their residence. That's why the outcome was so negative. But this is the beginning of Eve having to confront herself. This is where we see the more introspective aspects of Eve. See, before she would continue to make meaning out through like fantasy. But this time, the news she heard was far too devastating. She couldn't just go unconscious to it, so she tackles it head on and reflects about it. She knew she had her own like selfish thoughts, but she can't help but think about how he left her. With a smile on his face. If he had left with hatred in his eyes, then it would all be so much easier. Silently to herself. She knows she didn't want to put in any effort. All in all, she just wanted to be free. To be free from the anxiety of the inheritance, people being missing, and the death as well. She wanted to be free from it all. 
After seeing her selfish thoughts laid bare, she knows she can't just sit there. She knows she needs to take action and to make movements to amend for these thoughts that she has. I really like this scene from Eve. She acts quite mature for her age. She doesn't just push away or tantrum or just reflect and that's it. Quite frankly, this kind of response, where you not only acknowledge the heartbreak of the situation, your own selfishness, and then decide to take action anyway, that's what it means to be an adult. And to see that from someone so young was kind of inspiring. Flash forward a bit and she sees Isaac and Muriel or glimpses them for a bit. She thinks to herself that they must be spreading happiness around for everyone. This renews her resolution. So I guess fantasy can also help people in some ways. As long as you have a healthy relationship to fantasy. Not from a place of escapism, but from a place of inspiration. Like Eve feels inspired by Isaac and Muriel. Eve runs off and wants to find the Gandors. Benjamin and Samantha are alarmed. She runs into Roy and the two eventually run into Kate Gandor. After this, they get captured and now we're at the climax of the novel. Evie's now at the Daily Days, alongside Luck and Gustavo too. As mentioned before, Gustavo does try to break her legs, but Luck saves her. After this, we see Eve assert herself to Luck. He's a Gandor after all. A member of the family that apparently murdered her brother. She asks the pressing question, is Dallas alive? Luck tells her that her brother was underwater but still alive and he proves it by showing his finger regenerate. Dallas was an immortal too. Despite the relief from knowing her brother is alive, she's angry at Luck. She doesn't want her brother to suffer. She thinks, hasn't he suffered enough? She asks Luck to let him go. She's being quite forthcoming now with a mafia member. An example of Eve showing her resolve. But Luck states that he felt a fierce rage at Dallas from the bottom of his heart when he found out that he had killed four of his men. Because he's done that, Luck can't forgive Dallas. His rage will not be diminished. Luck questions why he doesn't just kill her on the spot. That's what mafia members do, right? That's what it means to have a fire lit within oneself. We can see how Luck yearns to have a destructive flame within himself, despite the ultimately small flame he actually has. This is what I think Luck is thinking throughout all of this. Look at this person in front of me, when he's looking at Eve. They have so much determination and fire in their eyes. It would be a complete waste to get rid of them. Like this person is actually living. They have such resolve. If I killed this person, is this proof I have fuel inside of me? I think he's confusing murdering someone with having a light inside himself. It's a very childish perception of what it means to find meaning in something. Like being a gangster and being murderous is the only way to have that sense of drive. He's trying to make drive happen, even though he ultimately doesn't feel it to the degree that he wants to. He's anxious about it. Luck even starts saying things that doesn't even make any sense. He's like, I'll thank you to not think that someone like you could quench my anger. Let your grudge end with me. If you attempt to strike anyone else, Luck cuts himself off. He thinks, what am I saying? Luck knows Eve isn't clearly trying to go after his men. She's just a kid. The way he's threatening Eve, he doesn't even believe the words coming out of his mouth. He knows his flame is a bit lower than he'd hope but he doesn't want to acknowledge it fully. Though, in the end, he does subside himself a little. He tells her that if his anger subsides, then years from now, Dallas can be released. Now, Gustavo is still not dead, and he reveals to Eve that he killed her dad and her other brother. Eve loses it. She wants blood. She's now the one taken over by anger. She manages to find a shotgun in her hand, and her rage would not subside. She's got an intense fury, and she's crying as well. She thinks, right now, 
I cannot forgive this man. Her eyes were fearless, dark and clear. Balak takes the bullet to save Eve. If Eve managed to shoot something like the shotgun, she'd probably die. She had a fury similar to that of Gustavo's in that moment. One that was fierce, but ultimately wouldn't help anyone. Luck understands Eve in that moment. I think what he sees before him is a person with genuine resolve. Someone with an anger that has a level of depth and shape. Something he wants deep down. An anger that is fueled by pain. Something Luck can relate to. Luck says he accepts her pain, and then proceeds to throw his arm at Gustavo. The one that got blasted off, and then the bone pierces Gustavo's throat. After this, Eve feels very torn. Luck saved her life over and over again, but her heart is still with Dallas. Luck ends up telling her that if you think my pain is gone, pull him up anytime you like. I'll leave that decision to you. It seems like since Eve has felt the pain of losing people, so her father and her other brother, and then was becoming like overcome with rage, he knows that she understands what he went through when Dallas killed four of his men. He bonds with her over the fact that she understands what he feels like to have rage based on loss and pain. I think that's why he rewards her with Dallas's location. He's formed a connection with her. Eve questions what she should do, and she becomes sad. She's torn. As she's ruminating, she obtains some food and she thinks this is just as good as Kate's was. In this moment, she resolves herself to helping others. She wants to be like Isaac and Muriel. She wants to make everyone happy and to not just think about herself. It seems she also felt Luck's pain. She knows people are complicated and she understands that her rage at him had some amount that was kind of unjustified. But through resolving to do good in her life, she decided that she won't let her and other people's happiness slip by. And she does just this. She has a government-run charity in the future and she gives generous donations. She's helping those in need. So it seems like this entire saga for her opened up her eyes to the suffering that exists outside her sheltered home, the selfishness within her, and she found out that she wants to do good in the world. Quite a transformation, I think. Now this is Buckner, and so like Eve may come back into the story later, and we may get more insight into how she came to create a government-run charity, but overall, I think this is a really positive result for her character. Now back to Luck. He's thinking... Why didn't he just lie to her, to Eve? He could have just told Eve the incorrect location to find Dallas. Thing is, he saved her life because he doesn't feel the rage that he wants to feel. He's witnessed Eve's rage for Gustavo killing her family, and he sees that is more potent than his is. So from his perspective, she has a greater right to her anger, to saving her brother. Regardless of what's right or wrong, that is the marker Luck is using to assess whether who should actually get what they want. Who should be able to make the decisions? Whose existence is ultimately worthy? He sees her as worthy, and that's why she reaps the reward of Dallas's location. Luck continues to ruminate. He talks about how he just fell into the Gandor business. It seems like he's basically fallen into every role that maybe he's ever done. He hasn't decided anything on his own. What's interesting is that in the overall thoughts episode, I talk about how I was scared that Eve wouldn't have much agency in the story. But turns out, It's Luck who doesn't have much agency, but it's done in a way that's very thoughtful. He doesn't have the resolve that Eve has. He's in the Gandor business from a place of only family pride. Perhaps what Luck is alluding to is the fact that he never really decided to do it himself. He's attached to it, but he just kind of fell into it. I don't think Luck's ever had like a moment where he thought, this is what I want to do with my life. 
This is who I want to be. I think by gaining immortality, and with death no longer being on his mind, his thoughts and emotions surrounding his place in the world, and perhaps what he should be putting his attention onto, are coming to the surface. When one gets immortality, I think it's expected that an existential crisis is probably going to happen. You're getting rid of a relationship with death. These thoughts of general apathy could have already been there, but he was able to distract himself with gunfights, needing to stay alive, caring about his brother's lives, but it seems that now, his focus can't go there anymore. His thoughts are now far more discerning about how his current life is now. He can't ignore it, so they're surfacing. These thoughts are eating away at him. But what does he do? He uses a book, in the end, as a form of escapism. Instead of getting in touch with that loss, he jumps into the world of books. While we feel the tension that Luck is going through, is he actually one of the characters that doesn't actually address the problem he's having within his life in the end? Does he have similarities to Beg? Is that why he tries to escape into the book? He'd rather not think about it because it's exhausting. What an interesting way to show a character who, by all accounts, should be the cool and smart one, making his final action to be tied to one of the main themes of the novel, escapism. A theme that the author, in my opinion, condemns. That reality should be faced head-on, not run away from. I'm really interested to see how luck develops. I did mention in my overall thoughts episode that I also struggle with being afraid of not having a fire burning within myself. I'm very keen to see how he develops, and I think it could be a very good learning experience for myself as well. Overall, I really loved Luck's character, and I really enjoyed Eve's character too. They both have an interesting dynamic, and I hope to see them interact in the future. I'm excited to see Eve bring Dallas up from the ocean. I don't like Dallas, but I like Eve, so it's an important plot point for me. The way the theme of escapism just keeps revealing itself as I continue to write the script for this podcast was it also a treat. It always felt like so many things went back to that theme. The theme of anger in this novel was also fascinating. I like the idea of anger being equivalent to feeling alive and it being proof of being attentive, but then also showing that with Gustavo, there's a downside to it as well. All in all, Volume 4 was a treat. Next week, we'll start Volume 5. I'll see you guys then. Thanks.